Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, this is Father's Day 2018, and I just want to share very quickly, and I mean very quickly, uh, on the thought of leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy in keeping with the video that we've just seen. And I want you, if you would, turn with me in the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians is a letter that was written by a man by the name of Paul, and he wrote much of the New Testament, and he was very much a spiritual dad to the early church. And this is what he wrote. He said, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Because that's what good dads do. They they bring the warnings. They don't just give you lollies whenever you want lollies. They actually give you what you need, not just what you want. And Paul was very much a spiritual dad to the early church. And he refused just to bring to the children what they wanted, more to the point he bought what they needed. He says, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became a father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. This was a letter that Paul penned and he wanted it circulated amongst the churches and it's been circulated amongst the churches for the last 2,000 years and here we are reading from it today. And he said, I want this to be shared to all the churches everywhere. And so Paul was a a strong believer in this message and he said this, he said, though you have thousands of guardians and if we was to ask ourselves this question, what is a guardian in 2018? Um, I would say a guardian for us would probably be those conference speakers or it could be those speakers that we listen to on the podcast. Now, can I just say, Paul was not saying guardians are bad and I'm not saying that conference speakers or podcast speakers are bad. I listen to many, many podcasts and we go to numerous conferences. So those things in and of themselves are not bad, but Paul was saying they're not sufficient enough. If that's all you've got, it's not enough. If all you've got is guardians, if all you've got is conference speakers, if all you've got is podcast speakers, it's not enough. You may get inspired, but what you're going to miss out on is depth. And the reason you'll miss out on depth is because guardians, conference speakers, iPod speakers, they don't know you. And because they don't know you, they can't give you what you need specifically. And so Paul says, I became a father to you because I realise you can't grow if you're just a distant guardian. You need someone who's closer, someone who's more personal, someone who knows you intimately. In other words, Paul saw his mission relationally, not just structurally. And so he goes on to say, for this reason, I'm sending you Timothy, my son. In other words, Paul had a desire to go to many churches, but he was only one man and he couldn't do that. And so what he did, he poured himself into Timothy, who was a young man, who was like a spiritual son to him. And he says, so I'm sending you my best. I'm sending you Timothy, who knows me intimately. And he's going to bring to you what I would bring to you if I was there in person. This is not just a keynote speaker. This is not just a conference speaker. This is someone who knows me and knows you and is going to give you what you need. We need fathers. He saw it relationally. Why? Because the gospel is found on a relationship. 
John chapter 3 verse 16 is probably the most well-known verse of Scripture in the Bible. So well known that even many non-Christians know John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His angels. No, no, He gave His Son because the Gospel is relational. God didn't give angels. God didn't give us keynote speaker. God gave His best. He gave us His Son, because the Gospel is relational. Jesus saw His mission through relationship. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. In other words, there was lots of demands on His life, but He never responded to the demands. He only responded to what Dad wanted. I only do what I see my Father doing. He said, I must be about my Father's business. And on a couple of occasions that we know of in Scripture, he went into the temple and started turning over the tables and got really indignant. Why? Because they'd turned his father's house into a den of thieves. He was passionate about his father's business. Jesus saw the Gospel as relational. And what we need to know and understand is one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to stop our, in stopping our potential is to stop the intimacy. If he can stop the intimacy, he stops the potential. And if he stops the potential, the gospel stops. Are you with me? What do I mean by that? It's, it's through intimacy that you get what you need, not just what you want. Because it's a dad that knows you intimately. It's a dad that knows what you need versus what you just want. And a keynote speaker or a conference speaker doesn't know you well enough to know your specific situation and what you need to do in a particular season of your life. But a dad will do that. And so Paul goes on to say, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. In other words, fathers lead by example. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. And my question for us today is simply, what kind of example are you being? I know I'm talking primarily to dads today because it's Father's Day. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm speaking to every one of us, men and women, young and old, because this should be something that, that runs down in the home so that we're all being an example. Because what walks in the fathers runs in the children. For good or for bad, what walks in the fathers runs in the children and that happens for good or for bad. It's interesting to see my son Mitch up here on stage. Uh, what you need to know is when I was 19 years of age, I stood up on a stage and I had a microphone in my hand and I led worship. I did. I know that's, look, look at you, you're all shocked. You don't even believe me. But I used to sing uh, and lead the church in songs in worship. Uh, what I walked in very badly, I might add, I couldn't sing and I didn't play an instrument, but Mitch has got up here as a 15-year-old, that's when he first got up here as a 15-year-old, playing, singing, and singing a song that he wrote. I'm talking about running now. I, I mean, what I started with baby steps, he's now running in. Because what walks in the fathers runs in the children. And that is true for good or for bad. I saw recently this quote, parents that treat church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. One thing I'm so grateful to my dad is that he chose church as a priority on Sundays over and above even my sporting events. And I'm so grateful for that because had he chose sport over, my, uh, over church, it would have suggested to me that uh, this Jesus thing wasn't that serious. 
But because he had a com- complete commitment to it, it intrigued me, it fascinated me. I didn't always understand it. I would have loved him to be there, but ultimately I'm glad he wasn't because it highlighted just how serious he was about the decision he'd made to follow Jesus. And it's what shaped me as a young man. I'm glad he didn't give me what I wanted. What I wanted was Dad to be there to watch me play. But he chose a better option, a higher option, an option that helped me and shaped me to be and do what I'm doing Today, are you with me? See, what we do today determines the legacy that we leave tomorrow. And today, I want to look at three things really quickly that dads can do to create a lasting legacy. And these are three things that my dad passed on to me that I want to pass on to you. And these are three things that we say our Heavenly Father does for us. You want to know what they are? Great. I'm so glad you answered yes. The first one is simply this. You've got to see the potential. You want to leave a lasting legacy? You've got to see the potential. In other words, see people as they could be, not as they are. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's about things that are, are, are not there, but we can see the potential. Many of you would have heard me tell the story when I got caught shoplifting at the age of 12. Uh, basically, I went up to Elizabeth Town Centre. I was with my mum. I took some bubble gum. I didn't pay for it. I got caught. My mum was distraught. She took me home and she said these words, you wait till your father gets home. And I've got to be honest with you, at that moment, I, I didn't want to ever see Dad ever again. Which as I reflect upon is really weird because only 24 hours earlier, I couldn't wait for Dad to get home. Because we were going to go down the paddocks just up the road here and play cricket. I couldn't wait for him to get home. But now, because I'd done something wrong, I was fearful of seeing my dad. I wanted to hide and I was happy to never see him again. Isn't it amazing that when we do the wrong thing, how it forces us to withdraw? It forces us to hide. And this is not a new thing. This goes way back to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is where Adam and Eve lived and they would walk and talk in the cool of the evening with God every day. Every day they'd go to the paddocks and play cricket with God, kind of as a metaphor. But there was this one day where they did the wrong thing. They took this fruit from the tree that they shouldn't have. And instead of going out to meet God, as they always did, they went into hiding. And I found myself very much in hiding, happy to never see Dad again. Anyone ever felt like that before? That was very much me as a 12-year-old. Didn't want to see Dad ever again. I never forget the sound of the car coming up the driveway. Dad gets out there, happy as Larry, had a great day at work, and then he feels the tension in the house. And Dad's a discerning man. He realises something's not what it should be. I'm in the kitchen. I'm crying my eyes out. Dad's going, what's going on? And my mum looks at me and says, tell him what you did. And that was hard for me because I was was such a blubbering mess. I could hardly get any words out. But I managed to tell him that I was uh, caught shoplifting. And and, and, uh, not only did I struggle to get my words out, but as I was getting my words out, I I tensed. You know, I did the whole tense thing. You know, I just tensed my buttocks thinking I'm just going to get a a jolly tap uh, on the backside. This was a different era than what we live in today. But I just kind of tensed up. Just, just like that kind of thing, you know, tear clench, tear clench. Uh, that's what I was doing. And as I'm all tensed up, as I've said, I've got, been caught shoplifting. Dad looks at me, he says, Look at me. He says, Tony. <laughs> says, You should have been quicker. Like, what? 
Hey, I might have been dumb back then, but I wasn't stupid. I knew he was not condoning shoplifting. But he was communicating something to me. And what he communicated to me that day changed my life. It shaped my life. It set me on a path. It set me on a course. He was communicating what unconditional love looks like. He was telling me without saying these words, he says, Tony, that may be what you have done, but it's not who you are. You're better than this. And I refuse to punish you based on this moment because this is not who you are. This is just something that you have done. And I'm so grateful that I had a dad that didn't ever discipline me based upon how bad I made him look as a dad. I did get disciplined, but it wasn't based upon how I made him look. I'm so grateful that he was secure enough to be able to look beyond how bad it made him look as a parent. You know, when your, kid get caught, when your kids get caught shoplifting, you don't look like the world's best parent. But he put that to one side and gave me what I needed. And I'm so grateful for that. And that's what God does. And that's how God treats us. Do you know, as a church, we don't always represent Jesus well. We don't always respond the way Jesus would respond. And if you look at church throughout 2,000 years, we haven't always done Jesus the best of favours. Sometimes we've made Jesus look terrible, but God continues to love us nonetheless. And He continues to see the potential in us. And He says, church, that was pretty silly, but you know what? You're better than this. This is not who you are. We have a glorious future and we wanna shape our future based upon the people's lives that we can change. And I'm so grateful for that. And so I want to say to all the dads out there, and may that flow to the mums out there, may that flow to the children out there. We have an incredible youth ministry and there are some young ones that need to be speaking to younger ones and being an example to our younger ones. We need younger ones. Listen to me, young ones. We need younger ones becoming spiritual dads to even younger ones. We need younger girls becoming spiritual mums to even younger girls and being an example and seeing the potential. Don't see them just picking their nose. Kids do that. Don't just see their messy rooms. See beyond that. See the potential in them. Because that's what my dad did for me. And not only should we see the potential, but secondly, we should say what we see. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, A voice came from heaven and said, This is my Son whom I love, and with Him I am well pleased. This is the moment where Jesus is being baptised and the Father speaks over His Son. And He says, This is my Son whom I love and with Him I am well pleased. The interesting thing about this moment is Jesus has never done a miracle. And so this commendation is not based upon what Jesus did. Get this, dads. We don't speak over our kids just because they are doing good things. Jesus hadn't done any miracle. But God wanted Him to know, I'm proud of you not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. And so He says, I love you and with you I'm well pleased. In other words, Jesus received His identity, His acceptance and His approval from the Father and it had nothing to do with what He was doing. It had everything to do with who He was. And I would encourage you dads out there to speak over your children these words. Let them know that they are loved. Not just because they've done something good, otherwise we will distort what love is. We're only loved if I do good things. Let them know that they're loved. I'm so grateful when I got caught shoplifting, I knew my dad loved me and that love was not based on what I did because I'd just been caught shoplifting. It was an unconditional love. Let them know that you're proud of them. I tell my kids all the time, I'm so proud of you. I say, what have I done? I said, nothing. You haven't done anything. 
I just want you to know I'm proud of you. I love you. You're amazing. When I was young, growing up, my, my dad uh, obviously saw my interest in his interests, and, and one of those was powerlifting and bodybuilding, as we saw on the video. And I used to just watch him in the gym. I used to be mesmerised by how much weight he pushed. And I remember trying, as a kid, go out there and just try and lift the weights. I couldn't even move them off the ground. It's just like, my gosh, Dad, the dad is stuck to the ground. It's just like, and he goes, no, it's not, son. It's just you're weak. No, he just, just, and he, he, saw my, he, saw, he saw the interest that I had. And so he used to encourage me. And he used to grab my little arms. And I was like a skinny kid. I've seen some of the photos. I was just a skinny kid. And he used to grab my arms and say, oh, man, your arms are so big. Show me your muscles. Show me your muscles. Then he'd show me all these bodybuilding poses. Like, bleh, bleh, you know, and oh, look at you, you're a monster. You're amazing. Oh, I'm so, you know, and he'd just be speaking over me. And, and he came up with this nickname for me. My nickname was Superboy. I was his little Superboy. And sometimes he shortened that to Soups. He'd say, hey, come on, Soups, let's go play cricket. Hey, Soups, let's go, let's go kick the ball. Hey, hey, Soups, let's get in the gym. And, and so I was his Superboy. And I kind of grew up believing I could fly. And I, I, just, I, just thought, I just thought I was it in a bit. You say, oh, look at him being big-headed. Really? And I think sometimes that's why we don't do this. Because we don't want our kids to get a big head. Can I say your kids can never get too big-headed? You know what's going to deal with that big-headedness? Life. Put a kid in school, life's going to knock it out of them. Put a kid in university, life's going to knock it out of them. Some of the jobs you've had, you know, you're not going to get encouraged like you would have been encouraged. And, 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 and stuff is going to knock stuff out of you. So our job is just to put as much of the love and, and the godly support in them so that when those times come, they say, oh, I, I can take that hit. I can take that hit. Because you don't know I'm Superman. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. I'm Superboy. And, and it changes your outlook on life. I remember Mitch coming home from kindergarten. He's about four years of age. and he, The first time ever, he asked me about his fingers on his hand. He said, hey, Dad, why have I got no fingers on my hand? He was obviously upset and he was crying because someone at kindergarten asked him about it. Kids are curious and, and that kid didn't do anything wrong. They're just being kids and, and you can't stop that. And, and so I, I realised he's going to have many more of those moments as he grows up. And, and so I, I've, got to, I've got to put something in him to combat that because I can't stop it. My job is not to stop all the bad things happening. My job is to put a resilience in our kids. And so I looked at him and said, Mitch, I don't know why. I don't know why you were born with no fingers on one hand. I just don't know. But I also don't know why you've got blonde hair. I don't know. I don't know why you've got blue eyes. I don't know why you're so incredibly handsome. I said, Mitch, I don't know if you know this or not. There's a lot of ugly kids out there and you're not one of them. And so Mitchy walks around. He's never asked me about his hand ever since, but he said this a lot. Gee, I'm handsome. Gee, I'm handsome. <laughs> hey, Dad, there's a lot of ugly kids out there and I ain't one of them. So that's right. That's right. That's right. And I'm glad I put that in him. And to see him up here with the boys singing today is such a delight. I'm proud of you, Mitch. You're amazing. You're a champion and you still are handsome and uh, you're, you're an incredible kid. You really are and I love you heaps, amen. So come on, let's say what we see. Let's see it and then let's say what we see. And number three, I need the band to come up here. That'd be great. Uh, number three is this, stay the course. Stay the course. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you. Get this. And never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I love these words. The heavenly Father speaks over us. I'll never leave you. Dan McGaw, I'll never leave you. Ada McGuinness, I'll never leave you. Laura, I, no, Dwyer, never leave you. And I'll never forget your name like Tony does occasionally. Just <laughs> never leave you. It's an amazing thought. You know, as I've studied people who finish well, they all seem to have one incredible trait, and that's their ability to stay. They just endure the tough times, the hard times. They, they know how to stick around. They know how to stay. And it's one of the hardest things for us to do. I remember getting little Tobias, our little Maltese Shih Tzu, four years ago, and I wanted to be a good dog owner, and I thought, I've got to teach this dog to stay, otherwise he'll be running out on the road, killing himself. So I need to teach him to stay. Asked the dog owner, what's the best way to do that? They said doggy chocks. Bribed them with doggy chocks. Gave me a few exercises. To be honest, I still haven't trained our dog. He's just, <laughs> I, I, I kind of a bit of a failure when it comes to being a dog whisperer, but I tried, I, I tried. And, and I, I just remember getting really, really frustrated trying to get this dog of ours. I love him, but gee, just stay. But he wouldn't stay because, you know, everything in him wanted to do everything but stay. I want to go here, I want to go there, I want to do this, I want to do that. Ah, just crazy. And I found myself getting so frustrated. And in my frustration one day, I just want God to say, hey, Tony, you're like that. <laughs> what do you mean I'm like that? Ah, oh. And you're all laughing because you think God's having a go at me. But I thought God say, my church is like that. Yeah. We'll go here, we'll go there, we'll do anything but what we need to do. And that is stay. Yeah. Got to stay. Got to stick around. Dads don't run. Dads don't run. They, they, they know what it is to stick around. And I'm so grateful. I think you saw that in the video. That I had a dad who stayed when it would have been easier to leave. It's amazing what happened to me at 12 that shaped my life. But when I was 12, I remember dad and mum having an argument. It wasn't a great argument for a kid of my age to see, but it was what it was. And I was in between the two of them. I'm like a middle kid and everything in my life, I'm always in the middle of stuff. And here I am in the middle of mum and dad's discussion and I'm tearing up because my mum wants to leave. I said, don't leave, don't leave. I found myself saying this over and again, stay, please stay, please stay. And dad looks down at me and says, this kid's the only one speaking any sense. He says, our boys, and I love the way he used it. He said, our boys. Not your boys, not my boys, but our boys. Because it takes two to make children, you know what I mean? And Dan, Shari, it takes two. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's actually not that hard, really. It's actually, it's actually quite easy. But anyway. Um, so please stay. And this, our boys need a mum and a dad. And it cost my dad to stay. It cost my mum to stay, and I'm grateful she stayed, because she could have said no. But I'm grateful, Dad, because he led the way. My mum agreed. My mum went along with it, but it was my dad who created the moment. That's what dads do. They lead by example. I said, no, it's not going to be like that. And I'm so grateful, because I grew up in a home with a great mum. My mum was an amazing mum. 
and I grew up with a great dad. My dad's an amazing dad. I'm so, I'm so grateful that he decided to stick around. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But in verse 6, did you see what it says? It says, so we say with confidence. When you know you're not going to be left, when you know you're not going to be abandoned, it breeds a confidence. It breeds a confidence. And sometimes the confidence I've exuded is actually interpreted as arrogance. But I want to tell you, my life could look so much different. I wouldn't have this confidence that I've been able to have for 40 odd years if I didn't have the assurance of a dad that was going to be around. And not only did I have a, a natural dad that just decided to stay, so that means every time I come home from school, I knew dad would be there. I didn't have to worry, is dad going to be there today? I just knew he would. And I knew my mum would be there. And no matter how bad the day was, I'd go home to mum and dad. I got picked on at school, got bullied at school. I got a question I didn't understand. Mr. McPhee was getting onto me in grade seven maths. I didn't understand a word he was saying. He had this Scottish accent. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Hey, mum, I need help. And I knew she'd be there. And dad, there's this kid picking on me. What do I do? He said, punch him in the head. Thank you. I just, I, The way to defeat a bully is not be bullied. Just, you know, think, I'm so grateful that I had a dad. It built a confidence. Even on my worst day, at least I knew I could go home and he'd be there. And I, I know even as I say that, it brings up pain because some of you went home and dad wasn't there. I get that. But here's the good news. That's why I love church. Because Jesus is a hope for humanity. And, and he loves the world so much that he came and died for us. He, he loves us so much. He showed us a better way. And, 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 and he, he left the church for you to find a family in. So that whatever you didn't get growing up, you can get in the church. And I look at all the mums and dads around here of all different ages. And I'm not talking about a biological mum or dad necessarily. I'm just talking about you taking someone who's younger, less experienced than you, under your wing and loving on them and caring for them and giving them something that they didn't get. Life deals horrible blows to people. But this is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. We've got to get this right. Because if we get it wrong, all hope is gone. But we have a heavenly Father and He loves us. And He sees us not as we are. He sees us as we can be. Maybe confused, maybe you're hurt, maybe you're worn out, burnt out, even on religion. Maybe you've come like that. But God doesn't see you as that. He sees you as you could be. And He's speaking over you today. He's saying, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. You're the pinnacle of all creation. People go on about saving seals and whales. He wants you to know He loves you far more than seals and whales put together. If He could gather all the whales, seals and trees, put them all together, He would say, I love you more than all of them. He's madly and passionately in love with you. And He's speaking that over you today. Because the Gospel is relational. I don't know what you were brought up on, what your understanding of religion is, but Christianity in its purest, simplest form is a relationship with God that was severed. Why? Because of our doing. Because of our sin. We do the wrong thing and we don't want to be with God. 
It's like Adam and Eve in the garden, they do the wrong thing. And instead of going out to meet God, they go and hide. And when they're hiding, they say, where's God? He's right where He was. God didn't move. God didn't change. We did. When I got caught shoplifting and I, and, I, and I felt shame and I felt guilt and I felt horrible, I went into hiding. My dad didn't change. He was out doing what he was always doing. It was me. It was my position that changed. And healing came when I brought out into the light what I'd done and I received love. I received forgiveness. I received acceptance. I thought, wow, this is the Gospel. It's when we confess our sins. It's when we say, I got caught shoplifting. It's when we come to God and say, God, it wasn't the wife you gave me. It's actually me and my bad temper. I'm so sorry. And the moment we do that, we bring our sin into the light and it restores relationship. Because you can't have a relationship holding on to sin, hiding from God. You can't have a relationship. That's not church. That's not what God intended for us to hide away from God and just go to church to have an appearance that we are close to God. God doesn't want an appearance. He wants the reality of it. I don't want my kids hiding away in the bedroom day after day, week after week, month after month. Come on, let's, come on, let's go out and play. But in order for the relationship to be healed, there's got to be a few apologies. And so we've sent our kids to their bedrooms because they were fighting and they needed to make up. And I'd say to Mitch, I said, Mitch, you can't talk to this young lady the way you do. She's not just your sister, she's my daughter. And when you talk to her that way, that hurts me. And I'd say the same to Jordan. I said, you can't talk to that young man the way you do. He's not just your brother, he's my son. And we've got a problem while you keep going on at each other. I've got a problem with both of you while you keep this up. But I want, to know, I want you to know when... Mitch and George, BJ to a lesser extent, but certainly Mitch and George, when they would hug, kiss, make up, say I'm sorry, it was game on again. It's like, come on, let's go play cricket. God's not trying to punish us. He's trying to get us reconciled so that we can move on in relationship because without relationship, there is no gospel. And we have an opportunity Sunday by Sunday. We have an opportunity every day of the week just to make sure that we're in right relationship with God. You can come to church with your bitterness and your hurt and still not be right with God. Being right with God is us being clean. It's being clean. God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to deal with what we couldn't deal with in our own strength. He came to set us free. From ourselves. The Bible says that this way, all of us have sinned. All of us have taken a pack of gum at some time or another. I haven't? Okay. Have you ever been bitter? Have you ever held a grudge? Have you ever had a hatred thought? All of us have sinned. All of us. And if you're sitting saying, I've never done any of those, I can keep going. I can keep going and we'll get you eventually. How about this one? I've never lied. Yeah, you just did. And God's not sitting here saying, oh, they're stupid, they're useless. He's saying, I know you've done all that. Just, just receive my gift of Jesus and he can, he can pay for your sin so we can have relationship again. Let's deal with this so we can have, get on with it. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for taking the time to listen. 
If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 